All right. Well, hey, I'm excited about part two of this series that we're in called Overcomer. And uh, so before we get into that, um, you know the drill because you were here last week and you're all excited about this because if you were here last week, then you can't wait for this moment where we all get to stand to our feet. So let's do that now. Stand to your feet because we have a confession that we get to recite in this Overcomer series. So the first one is this. One, two, three, we're going to say it together. I am who he says I am. I have everything he says I have. He has made a way for me to live in peace and right standing with God. I am not stuck. Pause. Dramatic pause. I am not helpless or powerless. I am a child of God. Powerless, yes, exactly. Just helps you focus on it more. Next one. So today, turn to your neighbor and say, so today. No matter what I face, I choose to believe I am an overcomer. Come on, come on. You may be seated. We're going to start by reading Matthew chapter 14 in verse 25 and 28. And it's not going to be our main text for the day, but it's really going to kind of be our overarching theme. And it says this, about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the waves. Verse 28, Peter shouted, Lord, if it's really you, then have me join you on the water. The title of my message today in this part two series of Overcomer is Walking on the Waves. Walking on the Waves. Last week, we discussed that an overcomer is somebody that's convinced. And we ended by talking about getting a tattoo, because when you get a tattoo, either you were forced into or, or peer pressured into it, or maybe you were under the influence, which was not a, bad, a good idea. And the third reason why you got a tattoo is because you were convinced of something that you wanted to have on you and mark you forever. And we believe that God was going to mark you by the Holy Spirit, convince you of some things this year that you would believe and have down deep in your heart that would cause you to live differently. Anybody, did anybody go out and get a tattoo because of last week? Anybody, anybody, anybody? Okay, that would have been cool. This week, I want to talk to you about the importance of walking on the waves. Notice that Jesus, every time he came, which was multiple times throughout the Gospels, Jesus came to the disciples walking on the water. They'd be out there sailing, and Jesus would come walking on the water. And, and notice that every time Jesus came walking on the water, it wasn't a calm day. Now, Jesus has power over the wind and the waves. We know that. And so Jesus could have easily not just chosen a nice day, but created a nice day and walked out on this beautiful, I mean, if you've ever been on a lake in the morning and it's just glass and it's beautiful, and Jesus could have created that kind of moment, but he didn't. He intentionally went out in the midst of the wind and the waves, walking on the water. And then same with Peter. When Jesus invited Peter out 
onto the water, Jesus could have just made it glass and made it beautiful and no wind in this beautiful moment. And instead, he invited Peter out to walk on the water. Because I believe he wanted Peter to understand that Jesus didn't come to rescue us from every trial, hardship, and difficulty. I mean, you know, life, sometimes life brings waves. And when you get saved and when you say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life, life doesn't all of a sudden just become this bliss of smooth sailing, does it? Sometimes waves happen. I believe that he came to show us that even in the midst of the storm, we have the power and the authority to walk on the waves. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity and the moment that we have together. Jesus, you're the only one that can speak to us and calm the waves. Lord, you have the way, I know you have the way of reaching down into the depths of our hearts and calming the anxiety and giving us clarity, God, where there is a fog. Jesus pulling us up when we feel buried and underneath something. And so we're asking you to speak now. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text today is out of Acts chapter 16. Last week, we talked about Paul being shipwrecked. And this week, we're talking about Paul in a different scenario. Uh, and we're really going to talk about three things that will help us know how as an overcomer to walk on top of the waves instead of getting buried by the waves. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 says this. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Verse 17, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. So the first idea that I want you to write down and consider as we learn how to walk on top of the waves is stop shouting at the waves and learn to speak to the wind. Stop shouting at the waves. Learn to speak to the wind. It's, it's easy to forget in the midst of our day-to-day -day lives, isn't it, that, that there's a spiritual realm, that there is something behind the thing, that, that there's a, 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 a dynamic and a realm and a dimension all around you that sometimes you feel like the wind and sometimes you don't feel it. Sometimes you have a real sense that it's there and sometimes you don't. But I promise you, it's as real as the chair you're sitting in. And so in the midst of our everyday life, it's easy to just shout at the wind because the wind, I'm sorry, shout at the waves because the waves are what we see. The waves are what we feel. The waves are what's crashing on us. The waves are what's creating the anxiety and the problems and the issues. And so that's what we focus on and shout at. And I'm here to tell you, it's not the real problem and it's not the dynamic and it's not the real thing that's going on. There's something behind it. I wrote this, where there are waves, there's wind. 
You just can't see it. And we know this to be true about waves. I mean, I don't know if you ever went to, to La Jolla or any of the places um, down uh, on the coast recently, like in December, end of December, we had like epic, really like earth-shattering waves that came through. And you can see it on YouTube. If you look up waves in Southern California, it's really big waves. But you know that because of that, there was massive wind that was creating all of that. That's why Jesus, when he was asleep in the boat, you remember, and the disciples were freaking out. They're like, oh my gosh, Jesus, what are we going to do? And Jesus, they wake him up and he gets out and it specifically says, and Jesus rebuked the wind. Because Jesus knew that there's something behind the thing and you got to speak to. He rebuked the wind. I love that, uh, I love that it says that Paul he was walking along, hanging out, and there was this one girl, and she had this ability to fortune tell. And she was actually fortune telling the truth because she was saying, hey, these people are, are, are here to declare Jesus in the way. She was actually saying the truth. But he just got so annoyed that he turned around and he spoke to her. And sometimes I'm telling you, like, sometimes you just get, need to get annoyed. Sometimes you just need to say, enough is enough. Now, I'm not saying you get annoyed with people. I'm saying you get annoyed with the wind that's behind the waves. You just get annoyed with the thing that keeps pulling you down. Enough is enough. Listen, there isn't a person in here that doesn't have something just grabbing at your heel. And maybe it's got a hold on you. Like last week, we talked about the viper hanging on you. Maybe there's something hanging on your leg. Or maybe there's just something nipping at you. But there's not a person in this room that can just opt out and go, no, nah, I'm good. All of us have something nipping at our heel. And sometimes you just get turned around and go, enough is enough. I'm going into this new year and I'm not going to still be dealing with that. This is ridiculous. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to be facing other waves, but I'm not going to keep facing the same wave. We're done. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're done. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> we're done. So I want, really quickly, I want, I want to give you two practical things on how to speak to the wind. And it comes in what Paul said. Paul, he got annoyed. Enough is enough. And then it says he spoke to the Spirit, and then he commanded the Spirit. So first of all, you got to know how to speak to some things. And you got to speak with authority. There is a thing behind the thing. And so... um. As we said, we don't look for demons up under every rock, right? Everything's not the enemy's fault. Sometimes it's just our boneheaded decisions, right? But, but there are things that, that plague you and me. And it's not even necessarily like a specific demon or like the devil's not omnipresent. He's not at your door all the time. But there's a spirit of this world. And there's a spirit that's attached to certain things. And you have to understand that that is the wind that you have to take authority over. And so I made a list of just a few things that we all deal with that I want you to be able to recognize. Spirit of strife, spirit of confusion, spirit of fear, spirit of lack, spirit of bondage, spirit of insecurity. Now, I know that you don't struggle with any of these things, but I bet you you know somebody that does. But, but here's, here, here's the question. As you have your spiritual senses and antenna, spiritual antenna up in your life, are any of these things present? If so, they're nipping at your heel. 
strife. Now, I'm not saying that you have a strifeful day. You have a day that, that just feels a little bit like strife and, and angst and frustration and whatever. That's not, but if there's a, a theme in your life or a season of your life that just feels like strife, that's wind behind a wave in your life. There's a moment that bring the wave is something, the practical thing that's bringing strife. But there's a spirit behind that that's just like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna mess with you a little bit. I'm gonna make your life just feel like strife. What about confusion? Now listen, I'm not here to tell you that Jesus is gonna bring you ultimate clarity in your life about everything. There is always a level of uncertainty about life. That's just the way it is. But I believe that God can give you clarity in the midst of uncertainty. Clarity about a few things. And so you don't have to live with this constant like confusion, disorder. The Bible says that God is not a God of disorder. And so if there's just like, just a confusion, like a haze, like you can't quite figure things out. That's a spirit. And you just have to go, enough is enough. I'm not going to live in a state of confusion. Anybody with me? Anybody that's just like, oh, wow, God has actually paved a way on the cross for me to not live there. Somebody needs to, you need to claim that today. I'm not going to live in a spirit of confusion anymore. And if people are bringing a spirit of confusion to your life, then you need to turn around and pike Paul and go, stop it. I don't let, I'm not going to let you bring chaos into my life anymore. And if it's your dog, get rid of your dog. Okay. So I'm just kidding. I love your dog. Kind of. Okay. The spirit of fear is another one. Anxiety, right? It's, I'm not saying that fear, like, I'm not saying that fear is, is, is always bad. Sometimes it's like, okay, that's a moment. I'm fearful. And so I got to evaluate some things. But if there's a spirit of fear, it's like anxiety. It's just, if the, any of these things kind of describe your life, kind of describe just something that's running. It's a program running in the background. If somebody were to describe you, well, they're kind of anxious. Well, then you need to turn around and go, enough is enough. I'm not going to be described like that anymore this year. Come on, somebody. The spirit of lack or not enough. The Bible says that the God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. That doesn't mean you're going to drive a Ferrari. It just means that you don't need to live in this like, well, I constantly don't have enough and I'm just, I'm just living down here. I'm always going to be poor. I'm always going to be in death. Stop it. Bondage and then insecurity. Listen, if you need people to always like you and always give you the attaboys and high fives and, oh, he didn't give me a high five and the emoji and, well, maybe he's mad at me and it's like, stop it. Take some authority over that stuff. Come on, let's walk with confidence. You're a child of God. And so you speak to the wind and not the waves. Don't get mad at your coworker because they weren't nice to you. They don't need to pat you on the back. You're there to work, right? That's what I do. I don't know, man. What, did I, what happened to my pastor? All right, Acts chapter 16, verse 23 is going to lead us to the next thing on how to walk on the waves. After they had been severely flogged, they were, okay, so backstory really quickly. Um, they didn't, the, the people in there didn't like the fact that Paul called that lady out 
and, and, and cast out that spirit because that spirit was making them a lot of money because she was fortune telling and everyone was coming and spending money. So this is what happened to them because of that. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When they received these orders, he put them into the inner cell and fastened their feet to the stocks. That's a bad day. After midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners listened to them. What a beautiful moment. I mean, talk about creating like an amazing moment out of chaos. And my second idea is this. Quit grumbling and start praising. You want to learn how to walk on the waves? Listen, waves are going to come. Paul got shipwrecked. He got attacked by a viper. And now he got flogged and put into prison. It's Life happens. Waves come. But God's teaching us how to walk on the waves because he has a plan for you. And so we learn how to quit grumbling and start praising. Praising, I wrote this. Praise is not a song you sing. It's about what you magnify in your heart. It's about what's stealing your awe and your wonder. Grumbling and complaining is a result of magnifying the wrong thing. I'm going to say that again. Grumbling and complaining, it's a result of magnifying the wrong thing. If you get up in the morning and you renew your mind and you just start praising the Lord because today is the Lord he has made. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm not a a victim. I'm going to have a great day today. And yeah, there's going to be some waves and I may get a little wet, but I'm going to learn to walk on top of the waves and I'm going to praise God because he's in control. I promise you the byproduct of that isn't going to be you all in your head and complaining and calling your boyfriend, your, your girlfriend or your, your guy friend, just be like, oh, you know what she did and this and they, they did and I can't believe it. That's not going to be the result. The result's going to be you're going to pull everybody else up because that's what everybody else does. That's what you do when you don't think about your day. When you're not intentional about your day, you get up and you, you just, you look at the waves and you go, yeah, this is a bummer. This is frustrating. I can't believe this happened. And I can't believe I did this and I'm, I'm here. And it's just like, and then you just go all in your head and then you complain and then you grumble and you start this downward spiral. That's what anyone can do that. That's not hard. You don't need to come to church and hear a sermon for that. You do that all by yourself. But what we do when we get up and we say, not today, I'm not bringing that garbage into this year because I believe that God's called me to overcome and be somebody new and somebody that can shift the atmosphere. I love that it says the prisoners were listening because they are. People around you, not prisoners. I mean, you know what I'm saying. People that are in their own prison, that are stuck. Most people are stuck. Have you noticed that? Most people are stuck. And they're trying to draw you into their stuckness. And it makes them feel so good. And in some dysfunctional way, it kind of makes us feel good when we kind of circle the drain with them and we complain about all of our problems. But it's like a Snickers bar. It satisfies for a moment and then you're empty again, you know? And so, and so God is calling us to be of a different spirit and to walk in victory. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I love uh, this verse, and I know it's, you know, one of your favorites, but it says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. I mean, that's what the morning should look like for you and me. 
waiting on the Lord, even if it's just for a few moments, clearing our head, God, renew my heart and mind, because today I want to be an eagle. I want to soar. I want to mount up above all of my feelings that lie to me, above all the things I could see, but, I can't, but I'm choosing to not see what's behind the wave. There's something behind that that I have authority over, and so I'm not going to let everything bring me down. I'm going to b- begin to walk in a different spirit, and this is how to learn to walk on waves. And I'm telling you, it's a different spirit. And people will be like, dude, what happened to so-and-so? They're amazing. Oh my gosh, I want to follow them because they're not, they used to be drowning like me, but they're not drowning anymore. But guess what? Circumstances didn't change. They just realized they're a child of God. They've got all the power and authority that they need. They just learned to speak to the wind. What's, what's blowing in your life? What's swirling? What's nipping at your heels? What's trying to bring you down? Today, I choose to praise. So powerful. So the story goes on, Acts chapter 16, verse 27. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he, threw, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. So just pause for a moment. Paul and Silas, minding their own business, this spirit keeps bugging them. Paul speaks to it, commands it, get out of here. They get thrown into prison, deep inner prison. They get shackled arms and feet, really bad day. In, in, in the middle of the night, they just choose, while all the other prisoners are grumbling about how they didn't deserve to be there, they just chose to begin to magnify something different. I'm going to magnify the Lord and not my problem. Really quickly, before we move on to that other thing. So, so we talked about magnifying. It's so easy to magnify the waves. But I'm here to tell you that when you focus on and put your attention on the waves, whatever's crashing against you, whatever's trying to steal what God's put in you, when you focus on it, it becomes larger than life. It's like you putting a magnifying glass on that thing. And, and out of that flows grumbling, frustration, discouragement. And so it's pivoting and saying, I'm not going to magnify that anymore. It doesn't deserve my awe or my wonder. There's only one that deserves my awe and my wonder. And so I'm going to focus and magnify him. And so this was Paul and Silas in the middle of a prison. Can you imagine? And all the other prisoners are like, seriously, you're going to get on your knees and lift up your hands and just begin to sing and worship and praise? Yeah, because we're magnifying something different. This prison and these shackles do not get my awe and wonder. They're not awesome. They're not beautiful and wonderful. He is. And so as they began to do that, it says the jailer woke up and saw as the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Well, of course he thought that. The prison doors opened. That's normally what happens. The prison doors throw open and everyone leaves. Why wouldn't you? That's what I would do. 
We got thrown in there against our will, unlawfully, and all of a sudden God opens the doors? You better believe we're running out of there. So the jailer was so worried because he's like, I'm going to be killed. I mean, Caesar's going to kill me. I had one job, watch the prisoners. And he woke up from this sleep, prison doors are open, and instantly thought everyone's gone. Then it says this, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, fell trembling, trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? The story goes on to say, he brought him to his house. His whole entire family got saved and baptized. And it was this like incredible revival that took place. Because this man had never seen somebody walk on the waves before. Last idea is this. Quit obsessing over your plan and start trusting his. How easy would it have been for Paul and Silas to run out of there? That's what you would have done. That's what I would have done. But that wasn't the plan. And that wasn't the reason why Paul and Silas we're in prison. I wish I could say that God is going to eliminate all the waves in your life. Eliminate all the frustration. Eliminate all the hard things in your life. But the reality is, Scripture does not lead us to believe that, nor did it happen to Paul and many of the other disciples. Paul got flogged and thrown into prison for no reason of his, of his own. And then when the doors finally opened, because he had an opportunity to get out of there, he went, no, that's not actually God's plan. And how often do we, we miss the whole thing and we get so wrapped up and so frustrated because the waves are wrecking our plan. Do you know why it's so important that we learn to walk on the waves? Because we'll never learn to ride the waves if we don't first learn to walk on them. And I found this picture. I thought it was beautiful. I'm one of the, one of the San Diegans that actually learned to surf when I was little. Now, I don't really have any friends that surf, so I don't do it very much. But it's a, it's a pretty beautiful sport. And, and it dawned on me as I was preparing this message that, that, it's, that it's our role to learn as, as blood-bought believers, as sons and daughters, to learn to walk on top of the waves. And when we do that, when we surrender our plans our way, our comfort, the way we think things should happen, when we surrender that to the Lord in worship, then the byproduct is this. Oftentimes, God uses ways to accomplish his plan in our life. 
and it wouldn't happen any other way. It's his plan. Before we started Heart Church, um, Heather and I were a pa- a executive pastors, associate pastors at a different church in San Marcos. Very, very few people in this room really kind of know this story and certainly don't know the church and the pastors. So um, I, I always share this story with as much grace as I can because um, I would never want to make somebody else look bad. But it was, it was a storm in our life. Before we started Heart Church, we were at a different church. And when we came on staff at that church, the idea was that in a couple of years, we would take over that church and become the pastors. The senior pastors were older and they were looking for their successors. And we made it clear when we went on staff with them that we're looking to be senior pastors. And up until that point, I had always said, Heather and I had always said, we're not interested in planting a church. I didn't think I had it in me. I thought in order to plant a church, you had to be an entrepreneur. I'm not an entrepreneur. I never have good ideas about business. So don't come ask me. I mean, like people like Derek and others, they have brilliant business ideas that they could just make up in a morning. I don't ever have those good ideas. And I thought this was the kind of person you needed to be to plant a church. So it was never on the radar. And we were serving at this church thinking this was going to be the church that that we were going to take. And as we got towards the end of that commitment and wanted to begin the process of that conversation, um, the pastors acted like we'd never had that conversation. And um, basically proceeded to say, um, we're kind of done with you. And so you're going to just have to move on on your own. And so that was one of the lowest moments of our life because we had this plan. And it just came to a complete halt. And I remember sitting at my house and my wife was there and my parents were there. And it was just kind of like dropped into our mind. Like, well, I mean, I guess we could just gather a few people and start meeting in a house. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is going to be a disaster. I'm not a church planter. And lo and behold, a couple months later, we launched Heart Church in a home with five families. Having no clue what we were doing or what God would do. All we knew was, Lord, there's waves in my life and there's circumstances that I didn't plan. And I don't like how this feels. I don't like how I was treated. And I don't like the fact that, frankly, Lord, you weren't there for me. Like, you could have easily smoothed this out. I mean, we're your servants doing your thing and, like, you can't even make this happen. And in the middle of all of that, God showed me, listen, why don't you just take a pause on your plan? And why don't you trust me with my plan? Because when you do that, you know what that looks like? You know what it looks like for somebody who's learned to walk on the water and in the end they go like this with their plan. You know what that looks like? It looks like surfing. 
Because now the, the wind and the waves is not these daunting things crashing on you and happening to you. It's like, okay, Lord, it's, it's a stormy day. So I'm going to learn to walk on the waves. And I know that when you want to, you're going to use that wave to propel me towards the good plan that you have for me. And can I tell you, here's what dawned on me today as I was preparing this message and I was preparing this moment. Here's what dawned on me. Had God not done that, had he not created the wave and begun to thrust us in a certain way, we wouldn't have met. Crystal, we would have never met. I knew your husband. But I wouldn't have met you. I would have met my parents. But I wouldn't have met you guys. I wouldn't have met you. Never. I would have never met you guys. I mean, oh my gosh. David, I would have never met David. Are you kidding me? This young man right here would have never met you. How easy is it for us to get so wrapped up into our plan and we look through this myopic view of our life and all we see is the waves that are screwing up our lives and we live as victims. And I'm just here to tell you that in 2024, God's called you to be an overcomer. And it may not look like you think, but it'll look like that. The only reason why we can do that, though, is because Jesus had, uh, he had his own wave to ride, didn't he? But it didn't look like this. It looked like this. The Bible says this. In Isaiah 53, he was... Just keep that up. I'll just read the scripture. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. He, he didn't ride the way for him. He did it for you so that you would never feel those things. Riding the wave doesn't look like being beaten and whipped and crushed. The Bible says that he carried that so that you could walk on the waves with peace that passes understanding, with joy that can never be taken away, with freedom in your life from guilt and shame, from regret, with confidence and boldness that he's gone before you as the good shepherd. He paved the way for that. So, just a simple question. Why are you living in the pig pen when God's called you to live in the palace? Why are you letting the waves of life make you feel like you're drowning? Lest we forget that the good shepherd, he's prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. When the waves 
are trashing. God has created a table for you and me. And this table is paid for in full. It's paid for in full. And so he says, come on, come to the table. Up on the waves. And he shows you his hands and his feet. And he says, this table is paid for in full. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the moments that you give us to show us, God, you paid the way. Jesus, as we're following you, God, I ask by your Holy Spirit that you would begin to speak to us about what are those places that we have felt stuck, that we have allowed the wind and the waves to overwhelm us. Jesus, I thank you that you're calling us up to be wave walkers. Jesus, I thank you for the purpose and the destiny that you have for every season that we walk through. God, may you give us eyes to see what you're doing and how you're moving. And we give you praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God is so good. He's got incredible things planned for us in 2024. And he has incredible things planned for you. As we close this morning, I want to let you know that uh, we're not in a hurry. We'd love to pray with you. If you're going through a storm, we want you to walk out of here walking on that wave. In addition to that, um, as was said, uh, we have a mission trip coming up. And I just want to say that this is for anybody and everybody who would like to come. It's family, so you can bring kids. Students can go by themselves. Um, it's just three days during spring break down in Mexico. Um, we're going to share just some of the details. We're going to meet for about seven minutes. Um, that's my goal, seven minutes. It might be six minutes. Um, to just share a few of the details so that you can make a decision about whether or not you'd like to come. Uh, and so if you can't make it today, we're going to do the same meeting after church next Sunday. And so hopefully within those next two weeks, we'll have a good idea of who would like to come on this trip. So if you're interested in that, just in about five minutes, we're going to meet right over here by these doors. And we're just going to kind of circle up for that six or seven minute meeting. Good. God bless you. Have an awesome rest of your Sunday. And we'll see you next week.